This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. On Sunday mornings, we've been in a series entitled The Miracles of the New Testament. And we have been walking through the Gospels dealing with the miracles in the life and ministry of Jesus, learning from the patterns and principles of those miracles and how we can apply them to our own lives. Now, we read the testimony of a child being healed during the prayer time during worship. And most Sunday mornings during worship, during the middle of worship, we have a time of prayer for those in need physically. At the direction of the Lord, we're going to do things differently today. Once the message is done, do a quick offering, one of the quickest offerings you've ever seen, and then we'll have a time of prayer for the sick. And so if you're here today and you have a need in your physical body or something you're fighting or facing or dealing with in your physical body, and it may not be sickness, maybe you're a young couple believing God to have a child. Maybe there's a challenge going on in your body. Whatever the situation, we're going to have a time after the message, after the quick offering, where you can come to the front and we're going to anoint you with oil. And Pastor Gene and Pastor Sue and Jessica, they're going to lay hands upon you and we are going to believe God and we are going to release our faith together for you to receive whatever it is you want, whatever it is you desire, whatever it is you're believing God for. I'm gonna begin at the end of my notes today, and that is in James chapter five. James five and verse 14, James writes, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, this past Friday, we had a special school chapel for St. Paul's with the junior high and high school students with Dr. Malcolm Yarnell from Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, and he shared on the Anabaptists and religious freedom, and it was wonderful. And I know that there's always a lot going on that, that morning, there was a cross-country meet. That's where Jessica was. That's where Sophie was. So later this week, we'll share the link to Friday on the social media. And maybe you're new or maybe you've been here a while and say, well, you know, Pastor and Austin, they're, they're faith guys. They're, they're full gospel. We're having a professor in from the Baptist Seminary. Well, what we agree with Dr. Malcolm Yarnell is we agree on the Word of God. And that's why we're brothers in Christ, to learn from each other, 
to challenge each other, and to grow in our walk with the Lord together. Remember sitting in seminary in one of the last doctoral classes that I took, and that class was with a man who still teaches there. He's a kind man, Dr. Matthew McKellar. But it was a class on pastoral ministry. And I think in that group of guys, I was the only non-Baptist, you know, independent, non-denominational. And it wasn't even, he, he said something out of the blue and it had nothing to do with what the class was on that day. But being in a room with young men, Baptist pastors serving in a variety of churches, different theological perspectives, some Calvinists, some who do not believe that God heals today, some that do not believe that it is God's will to heal, some that believe that, well, someone may be healed, but, you know, it's luck or it's chance. I remember sitting there that day and being surprised because Dr. Matthew McKellar, and again, what do we agree on? Well, we agree on the word. He, out of the blue, took us to James chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. And he said, young men, whatever your background, whatever your theology, you have a duty as a pastor to anoint the sick with oil and to pray the prayer of faith when someone in your church is sick. And I, I remember sitting there as a full gospel guy just looking around the room to, to study their reactions. But I want you to see that what God honors, he honors his word. You know, someone can say, I'm this and I'm that. that that's not the basis on which he answers us. He answers us on the basis of his word. Recently, one of my Baptist pastor friends shared this story, and I thought it was wonderful. One of the men that mentored him was Dr. Adrian Rogers, who has since gone on to be with the Lord, but pastored for many decades Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. So this pastor friend of mine shared on social media, as a seminary student, I had the privilege of spending time with Dr. Adrian Rogers in his office at Bellevue Baptist Church. One time he told the story of two young twin girls in the church whose parents were members of his church in Merritt Island, Florida. And those twin girls had developed brain tumors. The parents asked Dr. Rogers if he would come and pray for God to heal their girls. So Dr. Rogers and some deacons and church leaders went to the family's home. They anointed those two twin girls with oil, confessed sin, prayed for God to heal them. Dr. Adrian Rogers said that God not only healed those girls, but years later, one of them was now married, a mom herself, and a member of his church in Memphis, Tennessee. So the Lord honors his word. And that's why it's our duty, not just on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, to find out what the word says, but during the week to spend time in the word, to renew our minds to the word, and to believe what the word says. Because that's what God honors. That's what God answers. Now last Sunday, after learning how blind Bartimaeus took the initiative and received his miracle by faith, today we're going to deal with the, the posture of faith, the attitude of faith. In John chapter five, John five verse six, Jesus asked the man who was an invalid, wilt thou be made whole? In the last power lunch, 
message, Pastor challenged us to get our will in line with the Word of God. God may will it, but do we will it? Jesus willed for this man to be healed, but did this man, did the invalid will that he be healed? You have to will what you want and desire. There may be a circumstance, there may be a challenge, there may be a difficulty, there may be a setback, but you have to will that you will overcome. You have to will that you will have the victory. You have to will that things are going to turn around, that there is going to be a better day. And so it seems to be such an odd question, but it's a question we have to ask. Wilt thou be made whole? And like that man, our answer should be yes. Heavenly Father, if you will it for my life, then I will it. I'm in agreement, and I believe I receive it. As we saw last Sunday, Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And so it seems odd, and we would say, well, doesn't the Lord know? He does, but he wants us to say what we want. He wants us to say what we desire. He wants, to, he wants us to state what it is that we want him to do for us. You know, the Bible says that he's looking to and fro throughout the earth. Well, we should be the ones to say, if you will it, I will it. And Lord, here's what I want to you to do for me. Now, we, we place orders all the time. You get on Amazon and you order what you want. When you drive through with your family, you don't just sit there. I, I believe I receive my food. I believe I receive my food. I believe, well, you'd be waiting a long time. You, you roll up and they ask you your name then they ask what you want. You tell them what you want. But, but religion would have us believe that it's wrong to say what we want. Religion would have us believe that it's wrong for us to say what we desire. You know, there's an old Pentecostal song. I think the title is Jesus on the Main Line, but in the lyrics of that song, it says, Jesus on the Main Line, call him up and tell him what you want. And that kind of song makes religious people real uncomfortable. But that's religion. That is not word. And so the Lord said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? So our Heavenly Father, he's good. He's wonderful. He wants us to come to him, and he wants us to tell him what we want him to do for us. He wants you, you know, and see, religion would have us say, don't talk this way. He wants you to place your order. He wants you to place your order. Sometimes the young people come up to me and say, Pastor Austin, you know, be in agreement with me. I'm believing God for a car. If it's a young man, I'll have some fun with it. Well, what kind of car? And they'll just look at me like they haven't thought about it. Well, do you want a pink Volkswagen bug with some, some flower decals on it? Well, you know, what, what kind of car are you believing the Lord for? So be specific and tell him what you want. Be specific and tell him what you want him to do for you or for your child or for your family. And one of my life verses is Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give unto you the desires of your heart. You know, it was so sweet and so wonderful Friday evening to have the wolf camp out at the home of a man in the church that when he and his wife were looking for their next home and property, 
that, that it was the desire of his heart to have a place where the little boys in the church could come for campouts. How, how sweet, how kind, how wonderful. But we delight ourselves in the Lord and he, he gives unto us the desires of our hearts. I'm sure Friday night, even though it's the country, even though people are spread out, I'm sure the neighbors wondered, what is going on over there? But we delight ourselves in the Lord and he gives unto us the desires of our hearts. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, how many? So we we get it in our minds that, well, for the the few, the special, those in full-time ministry, those that are, they're, they're Bible scholars, you know, they know the word. No, for everyone who asks, receives, he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. That's why my father said in the first service, that's why Jesus told us to have faith like a child. Children have no trouble believing God. Children have no trouble telling the Lord exactly what they want. They, they, their, their heart and their mind hasn't been junked up with a bunch of religion. For everyone who asks, receives. James tells us in James 4 verse 2 that we have not because we ask not. And again, religion would have you believe that it's, it's wrong to ask, it's, it's selfish to ask. No, 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 no. Our Heavenly Father, He wants us to ask. And we have not because we ask not. And so Jesus told us, ask and it will be given to you. John 16, beginning in verse 23, Jesus said, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. And this might be something that you have to meditate on and renew your mind to. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He is for us. And as long as our desires and what we want are good and godly and righteous and in line with His Word, He wants to answer us. He wants to bring the desires of our hearts to pass in our lives. And so Jesus said, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So our Heavenly Father wants us to ask Him. He wants to answer us so our joy will be complete. Remember, Bartimaeus took the initiative. He shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. And then when Jesus called to him, as we learned last Sunday, Bartimaeus threw off the beggar's garment. He threw his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. So we learned, got to take the initiative. Got to throw off the, the beggar's garment that you're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. That, that before God will do something for you, you got to climb Mount Everest or do some crazy task. No, 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 no. We receive any good thing from God by grace, by faith. So what is the posture of faith? Number one, the posture of faith is to know. To know that you know that you know. The posture of faith is to know what you want from the Lord 
and to expect what you will and desire to come to pass. Now, I didn't bring the reference, but the, the word says to write the vision down, to make it plain. That's why pastor has encouraged you to have those uh, printouts of the renderings of phase two that we gave you a few weeks ago to put that up in your home somewhere where you will see it. But you ought to have a place where you write down your goals, where you write the vision down in your home. You make it plain. You know, the place for me, you know, we can't stick anything to our fridge. So in, in our bathroom on my mirror, I have a list of goals taped to my mirror. And so every day when I wake up and get ready, I, I see that. Write the vision down. Make it plain. Keep it in front of you. Number one, the posture of faith is to know what you want from the Lord and to expect what you, that what you will and desire will come to pass. Number two, the posture of faith is to will God's word and will for your life in every area of life. That's why you've heard my father say that if, if God says it, it belongs to me. If God says it, I want it. Every promise, every blessing, every benefit. The apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that all things are ours in Christ Jesus. The apostle Paul tells us that every promise in the word of God, it is yes and amen in Christ. You know, that's one of the things I heard in seminary from someone who wasn't in full agreement on the word. Well, that, that if God does something for this person or this individual, it's just for them and no one else. Nonsense. You know, if there's a woman like Hannah that deserves a child, that wants a child, that cries out for a child, the Lord cares, and the Lord is good, and the Lord is gracious. And I said deserve, I misspoke. It's not about deserving. It's about the goodness of God. It's about the character and the nature of God. Because the truth is what we deserve, what Dr. Yarnell spoke, shared so eloquently Friday, we, we deserve hell. But we're saved by grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. And every good and wonderful thing we have from the Lord, it is by grace, it is by faith in Jesus Christ. And so you have to set aside religion and say, well, I'm gonna agree with the Apostle Paul that every promise it is yes and amen in Christ and change your attitude, and change your perspective, and change your posture. That it's not just for this person or that person, it's for me, because I'm in Christ, and it belongs to me. The posture of faith, number two, is to will God's word and will for your life in every area of life, physically, financially, in terms of your family. We know his will by his word. God wills it, that is his word. But like Jesus asked the invalid, do we will what God wills for our lives? Do we want what he wants for us? Do we desire what he desires for us? Number three, the posture of faith is to ask the Lord what you want him to do for you. To ask the Lord what you want him to do for you. Ask and you will receive. You know, when I, I was a child, and I, I'm still a little shy and a little bashful. When I was a child and we go out to eat for lunch or dinner, you know, it was always a thing. I need another coloring sheet. I need more crowns. My parents would say, go and ask. And I'd always talk Christina into going and asking for me. 
But again, as James tells us, we have not because we ask not. So you have to just get over it and be willing to ask. The posture of faith is to ask the Lord for what you want him to do for you. Number four, the posture of faith is to be like blind Bartimaeus, to refuse to be denied, that you see it in the word, you see that it's for you, and that you will have what God's word says you ought to have, and that Satan is not going to stand in the way, religion is not going to stand in the way, and if there's someone like with Bartimaeus that says, sit down, shut up, be quiet, the posture of faith is that you refuse to be denied. You will have what God's word says you ought to have. And finally, number five, the posture of faith is to act like the word of God is true. Whether in your body or in your finances or your home, your marriage, your family. A lie of Satan is that we're not good enough to be healed. That's why I said when I mentioned Hannah, I miss misspoke. It's not about being good enough. It's not about earning it. It's not about deserving it. It's about faith. And that's how we receive any good thing from God. It is by faith. A lie of Satan is that we're not good enough to be healed. A lie of Satan is that we must earn or deserve our healing. We receive any good thing from God by grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. Don't believe the lie that only the good or the perfect or the special or the favorites were healed by Jesus. It's a lie. Don't believe it. Don't believe the lie that only the good or the perfect were healed by Jesus. Jesus healed the very people the Pharisees and the religious leaders looked down upon. Jesus healed the very people religion considered unworthy. More than once, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Jesus healed all who came to him in faith. Matthew 4 and verse 24, news about Jesus spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases and those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. He healed how many? He healed all. Matthew 8 verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. Matthew 12, verse 15, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him and he healed all their sick. Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew 15, verse 30, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet and he healed them. Matthew 19, verse 2, large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Mark 1, verse 33, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but would not let them speak because they knew who he was. Mark 6, 13, they drove out many demons. And so this doesn't refer to Jesus, it refers to the disciples. If you take the time and read the Gospels, honestly, Jesus sent the 12 out, and they did the same works Jesus did. Then he sent out the 70 or the 72, and they did the same works Jesus did. Not just the 12. Then beyond the 12, the 70 or the 72. Healing the sick, 
casting out devils. And there were others. The disciples themselves came to Jesus and said, Lord, we, we see someone that's not one of us driving out demons in your name. Do you want us to tell them to stop? And Jesus said that he who is not against us is for us. Now think about it. That was before his death, burial, and resurrection. That was before the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And there was a guy that was not one of the 12 and he was not one of the 70 already doing the works of Jesus in his name. It's a matter of faith. It's not a matter of being a part of the right tribe or the right group. It's a matter of faith in God and faith in his word. It's a matter of believing his word and taking action on his word. See, these are lies of religion, that God doesn't heal today, or that the last miracle was with the last apostle. That the very same people believed that were, there were only 12, which is just, they can't do math. Judas was replaced by Matthias. 12 plus 1 makes 13. I'll answer myself. Y'all aren't going to answer me. 12 plus 1 makes 13. Then Paul was an apostle. Barnabas was an apostle. Apollo was an apostle. Junia. Many of you ever met a man named Junia? Junia was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just the apostles that wrought signs and wonders in the book of Acts. The seven did, and there were others. So that's why we encourage you to do that daily Bible reading because reading the word of God, you'll set aside wrong ideas and wrong beliefs. Mark 6, 13, they, the disciples, drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Luke 4, verse 40, when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Luke 6, 19, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him, healing them. How many? All. Luke 9, verse 11, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. That was the criteria. It is the nature of God to heal. So if someone needed healing and they came to Jesus ready and willing to be healed, what did he do? He healed them. That is the goodness and the character and the nature of God. God heals us, and Jesus healed in his day. And Jesus heals us not because we deserve it, but because it is the nature of God to heal. On Wednesday nights, you might have heard my father refer to Pentecostalism. And I'm going to explain what he means by that. You know, I, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a little boy, seven or eight, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We are full gospel, spirit-filled people. We believe that the gifts are for today as the Holy Spirit wills. But when my father on Wednesday nights refers to Pentecostalism, he's referring to wrong roads that sometimes spirit-filled people head down. And one of them is what our Baptist brethren would call works righteousness. And that is heading down this road where you get it in your head and you get it in your heart that you've got to earn your healing. You've got to deserve your healing. And that if you could just pray enough hours, maybe then God will heal you. That if you could just fast enough days, maybe then God will heal you. It's not on the basis of earning it or deserving it. It is on the basis of his word and receiving what belongs to us by 
faith. Simple faith in an almighty God. Take a moment and look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to prove this to you by the word of God. I saved my place? No. Upstairs they're wondering, what is he doing today? Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, beginning in verse 1, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? So did, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, how? By faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live, how? By faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by, by how? By faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How are we saved? By faith. How do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? By faith. See, we can head down that road of, again, Pentecostal. I've got to tarry enough days. How many days have you been tarrying? Seven days, 14 days, 21 days. I've been waiting on the Holy Spirit 34 days. No, no, no. He came 2,000 plus years ago on the day of Pentecost. We don't have to wait. We don't have to tarry. Paul wrote in Galatians 3 to remind them how they had received the Holy Spirit. It was by well, if we receive salvation by faith, and if we receive the Holy Spirit by faith, how then are we healed? By faith. By faith, by faith, by faith. We receive any good thing from God by grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. You can read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that this is a gift from God. By grace, not by works, lest we should boast in ourselves. As Paul tells us in Galatians 3 and verse 14, by faith we receive. By faith we receive. You might say, Austin, I know there's prayer time today, but, but I don't feel good enough. I don't feel worthy enough. I don't feel like I, I deserve it. You don't know this. You don't know that. That's not how you receive. We receive by faith. And you might say, I'm not good enough. I'm not Worthy enough, I'm not qualified. Jesus Christ qualified you on the cross. 
He paid the price you and I could never pay. John 5, verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. In Jesus' day, people simply coming to Jesus in faith, ready and willing, that was enough for them to be healed. Say this, say, I'm ready. Say this, say, I'm willing. In Jesus' day, people simply coming to him, ready and willing, it was enough for them to be healed. Why? Because it is God's nature to heal. Whoever was ready and willing received their healing. On the other hand, unbelief hindered even Jesus. In his hometown, Mark records in Mark 6, verse 5, Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. The King James says he, he marveled at their unbelief. So sometimes we can take the wrong posture in prayer, that, that we have to talk God into healing us, that we have to persuade God to heal us, that we have to convince God to heal us. But that's not what we see in his word. John 3, verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. How? Through him. That, that we might receive the Holy Spirit. How? Through him. That we might be healed. How? Through him. That we might be blessed. How? Through him. And how do we receive? I know I got to do these 55 things. I know I've got to do a Daniel fast in January. I know I got to climb Mount Everest. No, we receive by faith. We believe his word. We say, yes, that belongs to me. And we receive by faith. John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill and destroy. I am come that they, that's you and me, that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. So we receive that how? By faith. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed the sick. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. And he healed those that were outside the tribe, he healed those that were not the natural descendants of Abraham. He went out of his way to go through Samaria. As we learned last Sunday, he went out of his way to repeatedly go to Jericho, a cursed place. He went out of his way to heal those that were outsiders. That's you, that's me. And this verse, Matthew 4, verse 25, it's the verse that changed Oral Roberts' life when he saw it. He went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. Acts 10, verse 38 tells us how God, this is when Peter is at the house of Cornelius, who was an outsider, he wasn't a Jew, he was a Gentile, but he believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And so the Lord spoke to Peter, you go to his house. And so Peter went to the house, the home of Cornelius. He proclaimed the gospel. As Peter spoke, they were saved. As Peter spoke, the Jewish brethren who came with Peter saw Cornelius and his family and the Gentiles gathered there. They, they saw Cornelius and his family receive the Holy Spirit. And Luke tells us how. Because they heard them speaking in tongues. And so Peter in that sermon there in that house, he said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing how many? All. He went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Is the goodness of God for today? Yes. Is salvation for today? Yes. Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for today? Yes. Is healing for today? Yes. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still saves today. He still heals today. He still sets the captives free today. When we desire to receive the fullness of his spirit today, he still fills us today. We died with Christ as he died. So sin shall not master us, and sickness and disease shall not master us. We were raised with Christ. We're justified in him. We're healed in him. When he conquered sickness and disease, so too did we conquer sickness and disease in him. Sickness and disease have been defeated. They have no right, no place, no authority in our lives. Christ became one with us in death so we might be one with him in life. Satan has lost his dominion over us. He can no longer put sickness and disease upon us unless we permit it or allow it. We're new creations in Christ. As Paul says, all things are ours now in Christ. Jesus' victory, it is our victory. And now we are to rule and to reign in Christ. What you have to do is you have to take or possess what belongs to you by faith. You have to take the word of God and make it yours. You have to speak the word and boldly declare who you are in Christ and what belongs to you. You have to be like Bartimaeus and shout what the word says all the more. You have to tell the enemy to take his hands off your life, off your body, and off your family. You have to be like Bind Bartimaeus and throw off that beggar's garment. You got to be like Bind Bartimaeus and throw off every work of the enemy and claim what belongs to you in Christ. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed.